All right. It is the week of the nine days, and there's an expression in Hebrew that goes, Gadol alai. And that means that I am not really prepared to inspire a large audience um, because I'm not, you know, a big, tremendous scholar. I'm not a perfect person. And Gadol alai, it's too big for me. It, it doesn't really translate. The point is that we are here together listening to a voice, and I want that voice to share things that are inspirational, honest, and steeped in my deep traditional Jewish values, my love for the Jewish people, my appreciation to Hashem for putting me in a from family and giving me the Tyra on a silver platter and sending me to wonderful schools and having given me the opportunity, countless of opportunities, to stand in front of the Labavitcher Rebbe and receive a dollar on my birthday, or a Tanya on my birthday, or witness Farbringen, or just remember when the Rebbe was here and the world was vibrating with excitement that Mashiach was coming and that nothing could hurt us and that we were strong and that this we were at the cusp. But here we are. We mourned another loss today of a big tzaddik here in Eretz Yisrael. I'll be perfectly honest. I had to look it up because, like I said, I'm not a scholar and I don't know everything. But I will tell you that our nation, the Jewish people, lost a tremendous scholar, a tzaddik, a learned man that spent his life serving Hashem, serving the community, serving the Jewish people, and tonight at the age of 95, or rather today, this morning, Rabbi Yitzchak Tuvia Weiss passed away at the age of 95. He served as the head of the rabbinical court. He was a Holocaust survivor, as my grandmother was, and he escaped the war by being placed on the famous kinder transport, which my great-aunt was from my father's side. Arriving in London, he became a prominent Reich Koilel and later the rabbi of Eitz Chaim Synagogue. He moved to Antwerp, where he lived for 37 years, and became a judge on the Antwerp based in. And then in 2003, he became the Ga'avad, the head of the Eda Hacharedis of Yerushalayim, or the Eda Hacharedit of Yerushalayim, to replace his predecessor, Rabbi Yisrael Meir Dushinsky Zatzal. So today, there was a massive, massive funeral, which I'm not going to lie, brought me and I'm sure other people a little bit of anxiety considering the PTSD that this entire country has suffered, witnessing thousands upon thousands of black hatters pressed up against each other in a force of bodies and spirituality that end sometimes disastrously. So we all held our bated breath, but the funeral Baruch Hashem went off more or less without a hitch. So here we are in the nine days, and we are mourning in Yerushalayim, and it feels appropriate because that's just what we do here. The state of Israel is always in a state of mourning. That's just the name of the game. And when you live here, you learn how to mourn and to celebrate and to mourn and to celebrate and then mourn and mourn and mourn and mourn. And then hopefully we will celebrate together with Mashiach and the rebuilding of the base of Mikdash and all that jazz. This is the Weekly Squeeze. I am Hanala. It is Monday, a warm summer's evening here in Eretz Yisrael. 
And I am sitting here with you because I love my podcast. <laughs> you thought I was going to say you, but I love my podcast too. And I love that you love it. So everything is working. Love all around. I did get a big fat complaint this week that I'm going to share right here because I want to make something very clear, especially before the nine days. Hang on. Let me grab my phone. All right. This was sent to me as an anonymous compliment. <laughs> I used to be so excited when you released a new podcast or episode, but now I am not even tempted to listen to you just hacking against Rabbanim Erev the nine days. I want to make something very clear. If I came across as if I ever was hacking against Rabbanim, I want to right now say that I apologize and I would never hack against Rabbanim. I have tremendous respect for Rabbanim. Many of my uncles, first cousins, close relatives are shluchim, teachers, people who spend their lives learning Taira and really understanding it so that when people come to them to consult, they have the right answer, a Taira-inspired answer. And that is no small, that's no small feat. It's no small undertaking. And we are, we should express gratitude to our Rabbanim for living for us. And anyone who has a Rav in their community and a relationship with a Rav or any experience with a rabbi, uh, the presence of a rabbi in their home and in their life when they needed them, a, a spiritual leader, an emotional um, support, could, could attest that we, have, we are privileged to have tremendous, tremendous Rabbanim in our communities and we should listen to what they have to say. These are very educated and good people. Now, I know sometimes it comes across like we don't like something, and it could be very tricky, especially with social media, especially when the world is so big yet so small, yet so big, that it could be hard to just pick up the phone and make something happen, and a lot of times there's frustrations, and this is normal. We are a nation of debaters. We are an argumentative nation. That's, that's how we're described in the Torah. Yeah, we argue, we, we, we push back, that's what we do, but that's how we grow. And for thousands and thousands of years, there have been, you know, times that were more royic, like my grandmother used to say, calm. And then there were times of more intense emotion or conflict or passion or discussion. And that's where we're holding. There's a lot of things that our community is discussing, and not everybody is going to be on the same page, including myself. So if I share something here that makes it seem like I'm upset with Rabbanim, I'm not. I'm just making our voices heard. And I would never get up here on this microphone and share with the world things that I don't truly believe are true. I respect you. I respect Rabbanim. I respect the girls who follow me on Instagram, the opinions that I get, whether they're anonymously or from friends. But ultimately, what I want to say to the woman who sent this message, I don't hack on Rabbanim. I only hack on Arab terrorists. That's it. <laughs> so let's talk about what's going on in Israel. But first, can you do me a favor? Can you just pause the podcast for one second, okay? Open up Safari and go to amagidsmarket.com and check out the list of books that you and your family can listen to this Tisha B'Av. You know when you're just like finished, you can't even read anymore? Imagine you can listen to a Jewish audiobook telling you about the stories of our past. I mean, what a meaningful way to spend the fast. Plus, totally reasonably priced. I'm working on an audiobook for A Maggot's Tale, amaggotsmarket.com. 
Use the promo code, I believe. <laughs> I'm going to put it down in the show notes. And now I'll know if you check those show notes. You get 20% off. You can get yourself a beautiful audiobook. It never expires. Imagetstale.com, the only Jewish book streaming website. All right. If you think it's easy to keep track of what's going on in Israel, when you're living here in Israel, well, it is. You know why? Because every single hour, you get the news. And if you're like my husband, you never miss it. Every single time we're in the car, my husband's like, oh, it's, it's on the hour. And then we play a little game where we each guess if it's a male newscaster or a female newscaster. <laughs> and then we know the news. And often, it's not good because we live in a country surrounded by, which I hate to say it, lunatics. We, we live surrounded by lunatics, and the world has normalized them by supporting them and sending money. And meanwhile, right, right under our noses, they are teaching the children in Gaza to be mini-terrorists all summer long. And this is not like Camp Ganizi, my friends. This is extremely intense. It's really hot. The kids are wearing uniforms. They learn how to load machine guns. They learn how to stab Jews. They learn how to sing all these you know, war songs, and uh, it, everything is about, you know, just, it, 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 it's terrorism. It's literally terrorism, like endorsed by the entire world while we sit here like suckers, excuse my French, and pretend like it's normal to be surrounded by people who are raised to A, believe a lie, and B, kill for it. I tell you, I get so worked up from this. <laughs> I do. It's just so frustrating to like watch it happen in real time. Seriously, like we don't have enough problems. It's the nine days. We we buried a, you know, a holy man today. We don't have that many of those lying around. And yeah, but we have a weekly squeeze and that's good because this is really interesting news. Matis Yahoo. Yes, that Matis Yahoo. There's only one. His 16-year-old son, Levy Miller, readies for his musical career. Now, I did not read this, but I am looking at a picture of a 16-year-old boy wearing cool sneakers and a tracksuit. And safe to say, he's not singing Hasidic music, but he is singing, hang on, <laughs> um, at a chosen comedy festival, a benefit for the Ukrainian Emergency Art Fund that will feature sets from comedians like Alex Edelman, I don't know him, Elon Gold, I've heard of him, Modi, I know him, and TJ Miller. And then there's going to be performances, musical performances, from not Elon Gold or Modi, thank God, Miller, Neeson Black, and Kosha Dills, as in the pickles. All right, so he's performing. He said he's nervous. He said, my brothers and I, we were brought up in the music business like three little Chabad kids on the road. Wow. I think we all love music from the beginning. We were all like, one of us is going to do it. I guess they really looked up to their father, who was so passionate and so authentic and so deep in his spirituality. People really connected to him. And this is what I connect to. Apparently, he started recording his own music. And his father, rightly so, and this is exactly what I would do, told his son that if he makes something great on GarageBand, now GarageBand is what comes with a Mac, um, he'll get him Logic Pro, which I use, a great program, and you could record, uh, tons of albums are recorded with it. It's it's in, in the top of its league. So Levy worked for six months. He wrote amazing lyrics. He impressed his father, and he will be performing a song called Fake Friends. Ooh, that's a good title. It's about a realization he had while switching schools and moving from Los Angeles and New York. Well, I'm sure he has a story to tell, and people will connect with him and... I hope he inspires them. This, this sounds like a bit of really nice news. Looking a bit like a Jewish Justin Bieber. Well, that's great news. Oh, boy. This is, this is trouble. This is trouble. Apparently, he's really good looking. 
and he's like a Justin Bieber type. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, anyways, this is this is a beautiful story. Sounds like a great kid. He also plays hockey for a Shabbos observant all Jewish ice hockey team. Cool that won a championship. Honestly, and I think this is something that we owe Matisyahu as a people. I personally feel really bad for the amount of negativity that surrounded his relationship with us for a short amount of time. And for whatever it was worth, he brought so many young men closer to Yiddishkeit with his inspiring music and with his honesty and with, you know, with with bringing them along on this journey, exploring Yiddishkeit authentically. And he really meant it. And he was part of our community. I remember seeing him in Crown Heights. Uh, I'm sure I've even talked to him a few times. Anyways, so I hope he has a lot of nachas from his son. And I am looking forward to hearing what Levy Miller has to offer the Jewish people. Okay, I just want to wish a mazel tov to my dear friend, Francisca. Francisca is an incredibly talented young woman, and she had a baby girl today, and I'm so happy for her. And it works out beautifully because today I'm going to share with you the trailer for The Francisca Show. And let me tell you something, folks. So many great topics explored. I definitely recommend it. Some serious, deep, grown-up conversation happening. You know what? Let me let me let Francisca tell you what the show's about. Hi, I'm Francisca, host of the Francisca Show podcast. Would you like to hear stories from your everyday firm person, as well as therapists and other experts, about the dynamics of balancing both the Jewish Orthodox and the human experience life? Then check out my show, The Francisca Show Podcast, with over 200 episodes out and a new one every week. You can access entertaining and behind-the-scenes stories where I give a voice to Jewish issues around women's topics, halacha, culture, and family. It's the F-R-A-N-C-I-S-K-A show. See you there. I love that girl. Hi, Francisca. Okay, what else is going on? In the universe, let's. You know, someone someone complained that I, I'm doing too much Israel news, but do you want me to do American news? Because Americans are cuckoo. I mean, seriously, and I I am one of them. I, I googled it. I was like, okay, let's share some good news from America. And let me tell you something, folks. This is what's going on in Chutzlaret. <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. It's absolutely insane. But you know what? If you don't want so much Israel news, I will oblige. Okay, what's going on in the world? Okay, this is nice. Animals laugh too. Yes, animals laugh too. They laugh at human beings who are so... Oh, I'm sorry. Somebody asked me not to say the R word. (laughs) Okay. But anyways, it turns out that animals do laugh. And we know this because there was a study done. A UCLA graduate student and a professor found vocal play signals or laughter in at least 65 species, ranging from cows to seals. Well, seals laugh. We all know that. They're slapping their hands together and howling. I mean, I have an uncle who laughs like that. Anyways, it turns out that humans are unlikely to recognize animal laughter or vocal play signals um, because they're unusually inconspicuous. So they have their own language that, you know, is laughter. But there's no time to even talk about this one because there's other crazy stories happening around the world. Now, these are not happening in Israel. You guys wanted news from around the world. So here you got it. Donkey at Texas Rescue named Betty White after the late actress and longtime donor. And yes, there's a picture of her, Betty the donkey. Uh, What else is there? A 23-year-old Colorado woman rescues three children from an icy pond. Well, that sounds awful, but Baruch Hashem, they are okay. All right, what else we got? 
Dog missing for four months, rescued from snowy California hillside. That's always nice. You don't want me to talk about controversy. The American president is a walking wax figure. And President Trump just buried his ex-wife in his golf course. The world has gone mad. So I just stick to what I know here in Israel, where at least it's closer to me. You know, I'm going to sit here and tell you about what's going on further than me. I don't know. I, I just don't, I don't feel it. But anyways, if you want to check out all those beautiful stories, that's actually from Tanks Good News. And it's a very cool website that is, you know, I'm not saying you shouldn't check it out before your kids do, but it seems like a wholesome website, Tanks Good News, and it's all good news from around the world. Now, isn't that fun? That's right. All right. The next thing I want to talk about is something important that's happening here in Israel. And I honestly, I listen, there is no excuse for harassing anyone. There is. There is no excuse for one Jew to harass another. I mean, I think that that we all can can agree on that. So when you hear any stories of Jews assaulting Jews, whether it's at a funeral or at a, what is this, a conservative bat mitzvah or, or a reform bat mitzvah, whatever the case is, let people do their thing because interfering is often worse than letting people just be. Now, if you're uncomfortable with the sight of a woman clutching a Sefer Torah and wrapped in a talus, you're not alone. Many of us are. It doesn't sit it doesn't sit with me. It really doesn't sit with me. But you know what? I'm going to look the other way. I have other we have bigger fish to fry, okay? So, when I hear that at the Kaisal there is conflict and fighting and just loudspeakers facing the women's section that had the men's minion blaring into the women's section, like what what is that? So, all I'm going to say is, well, I wish people wouldn't bring their not Jewish children to the hotel and pretend girls are boys and wrap them in talisim and then not even keep the mitzvahs, like throw away all the mitzvahs that make Jewish people different and holy. It's painful to see. It really is. It's, it's just, it's not the way it's supposed to be. So, you know, I, I, get, I hear that. However, what do we gain from pushing our brothers and sisters away? We gain nothing. Nobody comes close by being attacked. Nobody comes close by being criticized. Nobody comes close by being assaulted. And, you know, that's not the Jewish way. So somebody, whoever works there, better work it out because this is not going to fly and it has to stop. All right. I want to share with you a recipe. Um, Grab a pencil because this is something really special. It's for the nine days. It's with fresh blueberries. It's a spiced blueberry soup. That's milchig. All right. You ready? Here we go. Two cinnamon sticks, two teaspoons of whole cloves, one tablespoon of coriander seeds, two teaspoons of whole black peppercorns, six cups of fresh or frozen blueberries, yum, a quarter cup honey, a fourth cup fresh lemon juice, a cup of cold water, two egg yolks, lightly beaten, two teaspoons of lemon zest, plus more for garnish, and sour cream or plain yogurt, yum. Okay, (laughs) by the way, this is not my recipe. I'm literally reading it off the internet Um, because it's in an article, and I felt like, why not share a yummy nine-day recipe with my followers, even though, you know, I'll never get to taste it, because I'm not going to make it. All right, tie the cinnamon sticks, cloves, coriander seeds, and peppercorns in a square of cheesecloth. Okay, that I get. In a pot, put the blueberries, honey, lemon juice, spice bundle, and cold water. Bring to a boil. Don't walk away so it burns. 
and then reduce the heat. Okay, simmer, cook for eight minutes. Beautiful. The berries will break down quickly. Yum. Lots of liquid. All right, remove the pot from the heat. Hopefully your rubber hand things, I don't know, mine are always missing. I can never find them. I'm always using two towels to take boiling things out of the oven. I'm like, I have oven mitts. Anyways, whisk with a fork until thick. Return the blueberry egg mixture to the pot and return the soup just to a boil. See, this is where I get com- things get complicated and I just don't want to cook anymore. But if you're still following along, immediately reduce the heat to maintain a simmer and cook for three minutes more. This is very specific. Until the soup has thickened, remove from the heat and immediately mix in two teaspoons of lemon zest. Mm. Then you take away the spices and you serve it with sour cream or yogurt. And that sounds... I think, no, you serve it with sour cream. The ogre must have already been put in the recipe. I don't know, I lost track. In any case, that's my recipe. If you want it more, um, if you want to see it, it's actually on JNS under a really interesting article about brisket that I was thinking of getting into, but you know what? It makes a great read, so just go read it. This is such a sweet story, and this is why I love the Jewish people. A Scottsdale family is bringing a personal tragedy to the forefront in a public awareness campaign to keep pets safe during home construction. Like, we don't have enough things to worry about. But yes, if you have dogs, you have to keep them safe. So this family, their dog drowned. Okay, this is the fam. Okay, there's a picture of the dog here at his bark mitzvah. He's wearing a tzitzis and a yarmulke, and he had a bark mitzvah. So these people take Judaism and their dog's connection to Judaism very seriously. Anyways, the bottom line is their dog died and apparently it was during a home construction. So they put together a top 10 list of precautions that every homeowner and contractor should take. So this way there is a list including ask workers what you need to know to protect your children and pets, insist that sliding doors be closed and outside gates locked all the time, lock your doggy doors, make sure the pool is covered, chemicals, keeping pets safe with signs, making sure your pets have a microchip, removing hazards. The bottom line is we don't want to be tsar balechayim. Animals are our responsibility unless, you know, you have a snake. And snakes, you know, they don't really get into much trouble because I know a girl on Instagram and she has a snake and she loves her snake and her snake loves her. And I, you know, everybody's having a great time and there's no shedding. I mean, there is shedding, but it's a different kind of shedding. Whatever. But... People love their pets, and you want to keep them safe. So this was a beautiful story from a Jewish family, the Kesslers in Arizona. All right, back to Israel news for one second, because this is something I know that American Jews are interested in. The IDF is now opening all roles in the army to Haredi society. So apparently, up until now, you know, the from soldiers, they enlisted or were drafted in the army, and... You know, if they study in yeshiva and they didn't do much but sit at a desk using their minds and their neshamas, then their bodies are not quite ready for the army. So they weren't the first people that the army chose to be like at the front lines. But apparently now the army realizes that even if a soldier is ill-equipped in one department, he could be very capable in another with a little time. So that's the news. Is it good news? Is it bad news? I couldn't tell you. For me, it's a good day when all of the Jewish soldiers in the army are safe and sound and don't have to fight all the terrorists and their mini-terrorists. Okay, now I do have to bring you some tragic news, and it's really tragic because, you know, I have Lubavitch in my veins, and when something happens in Lubavitch, it, it hurts. 
So tragedy struck here in Israel today in Kiryat Malachi, where there's a lot of Lubavitchers. I don't know the details, but I do know that a young 13-year-old boy was killed by being hit by a car at the entrance to Kiryat Malachi as he returned from Friday Miftayim. Wow. Lubavitch has had its share of Bahram being killed doing Miftayim because that's what Lubavitch Bahram do. So he was hit by the car and he was pronounced dead at the scene from severe injuries. Just so tragic. I mean, Rosh Chodesh Av and Shabbos Av became a day of grief and mourning. We share in the deep sorrow of the family and embrace them in these difficult moments. Uh, tragic, really tragic. Just another reminder to appreciate the things that we have, to daven to Hashem, to take care of us, to provide for us, to go easy on us and judge us with favor. Now, this is another piece of super cute Chabad news, but this time it involves, of course, <laughs> the owner of Netflix. Netflix founder dances as he celebrates Bar Mitzvah. This is fantastic. I mean, I'm looking at the happiest man on earth. I mean, the owner of Netflix, the founder of Netflix, he's wearing tefillin. He's grinning. He's next to two Lubavitchers wearing party hats, and they are dancing because Silicon Valley entrepreneur Mark Randolph who founded Netflix, God bless us, so I mean, whatever, uh, he had a bar mitzvah. Now, I'm not sure I understand exactly what's happening here because I don't watch, but apparently this Randolph has a show, and two Lubavitchers ended up on a show, Yossi Chayo and Levi Chayo. Oh, I know the Chayos. My first cousin is married to a Chayo. Hi, Hanasarla. Anyways, these Lubavitchers are dancing with this Randolph guy. He's 64 years old. He never put on to fill in before. Well, that's why Netflix is such a disaster. Well, now hopefully things will improve. I mean, the founder of Netflix is a Jew who never puts fill in on. I mean, if this is not happy news, I don't know what is. So he put on to fill in. He said Shema. They danced. He, he was emotional and grateful. This is so beautiful. Wow. I just watched a little clip of them singing and dancing. Mi ka'am chayisral. That's all I could say. Beautiful. This is also some very sweet news. The first ever Camp Ganizzi Girls Overnight Camp in Wisconsin has tremendous impact. Oh, I wish I was in camp. That was so fun. Goodness gracious. I did not appreciate my freedom. Well, maybe I overappreciated it. But in any case, whoever's having a great summer, I'm so happy for you. Enjoy it while it lasts. We will all be back in Brooklyn or Miami very soon. Back on Instagram. Remember Instagram? Remember us on Instagram? Those people that like to entertain you when it's snowing and you forget about when it's summer? <laughs> Just teasing. All right. What else did I want to talk to you about? There's so many random things out there in the world. Did you know there are seven things about Elvis that you didn't know? <laughs> That's the title. Um, the History of the Swastika. I will pass. Mayim Bialik. Oh, Mayim Bialik. She is the new host for Jeopardy. Now, I met Mayim Bialik actually once on an airplane. So I believe she was traveling from New York back to California, and I was traveling to California. And I saw her in line. I was like, hi, you're Mayim Bialik. She wasn't like super friendly, but she acknowledged that she was, in fact, Mayim Bialik, a big star at the time, if you will. She's on a couple of shows. She was a child actress. And she's also Jewish. And while I'm not saying she's the most chassidish girl around, she certainly speaks about her Judaism, defends Israel when needed, 
and now has a podcast and is continuing to do the things that she loves, like host Jeopardy. So that's cool. I mean, I couldn't host Jeopardy because I know nothing. <laughs> I know a lot, but like facts don't stick. They'll be like, host of the Weekly Squeeze for 400. I'll be like, well, what's your name? What's your name? I, I don't work well on on a timer. But Mayim is going to be hosting that show. That's very nice. Mayim Bialik, if you end up hearing this, you should just know that I gave you two CDs, The Crown of Creation, and I think it was taking over my heart, and I never heard from you again. But that's fine. I forgive you if you still have them. Maybe I'll sign them for you when I see you next. Now, this is a story that at first when I saw it, I was like, that can't be right. And what I'm talking about is a Maimonides health ad for Brooklyn, in Brooklyn, stand with Mamo, Mimo, um, for over 100 years, the doctors, nurses, and support staff at Maimonides Hospital have been keeping Brooklynites healthy and cared for. We couldn't be prouder of our top clinical outcomes. Now, I know that thousands of Jewish children are born in Maimonides Health, so you would think they would know what a Hasidic Jew looks like. But instead, they bought a picture of somebody dressed up like a Hasidic Jew. And you know this because his beard looks like a slice of pizza. <laughs> and he's clearly not a Jew. So the people on Twitter were just like, what is this? Like, why are we looking at this joke of an ad? Anyways, Maimonides issued a, an apology. It could be that they hired a company to promote their message. And that company was like, hey, how do we reach out to the Hasidic demographic? We'll just get a picture of a Hasidic man (laughs) on Shutterstock, which is what they did. But they did issue an apology and they said they are much better at surgery than Instagram. <laughs> now, can I just share something very personal? I mean, it's not personal, but something that's taking place in my city. Now, when I moved to Beit Shemesh, I was under the impression that there was never going to be a movie theater here because there are so many from Jews here in Beit Shemesh. There is a massive population, ever-expanding, growing population of ultra-Orthodox Hasidic Jews here in Beit Shemesh tremendous numbers. So they they're, they don't want a movie theater, you know, a bus ride away for their families. And I totally understand that. But I guess the people of Beit Shemesh and the mayor, Aliza Blach, have proposed differently because they are building a movie theater, kindergartens, public buildings, <laughs> Israel, we'll put a movie theater uh, and a gun um, in a 7,000 square meter space. So that's cool. This is the first major decision that Dr. Aliza Blach is taking Um, I I would assume against the Hasidic community. So I guess we'll see what develops and how exciting things get because we don't have our hands full. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast, for sharing my podcast, for leaving five-star reviews on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts. Share with your friends. Leave a comment. It really helps solidify my presence here as the Weekly Squeeze, and I am not going anywhere. As a matter of fact, I have some massive things in the works, but I'm not allowed to talk about them yet. So... Stay tuned. Have a wonderful week wherever you are in the country, in the city, or in Miami Beach. Hi, Manta. I hope your life is on the up and up, and I will see you on Thursday.